0: It's looking, it looks so good. Like, the art just looks so good.
1: Should we try and start this I, again, though, before?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I oh mean, yeah. That
1: was mostly my fault, but yes, let's.
0: I mean, not, it's not just mostly, it's entirely. Entirely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's not mostly. Most, well,
1: my girlfriend called, <laughs> I guess I could have ignored it.
0: Welcome back to the Player 2 Pixelcast Episode 81. My name is Ken, and I'm your host today. Uh, and joining me on this particular episode is Tim Henderson.
1: Hey, yeah, I'm sitting here trying to think of something annoying or bad that's Ken's fault at the moment. I'm coming up blank, and I'm really not happy about it.
0: I'm, I'm sure as we go through this episode, like, and your, your memory is jogged, you, you'll figure something out. Um... And also joining us on this episode, whose fault this is not, um, Stephen Del Prado. I'm sure something's my fault. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure something is everybody's fault at some point in some <laughs> <That's> time, but <laughs> but not today and not on this episode. Everything that happened prior to the start of this show is entirely Tim's fault. Entirely. I love
1: the way this is getting build up, built up into this mythical crazy thing that I did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's even better if we don't mention the thing we'll just
0: let people imagine yeah we what just Kim we just did. yeah absolutely and we'll we
1: reveal sort of... it at episode 100 with like a trombo sound below it, just going Bwah. no
0: no no it just it just goes into a, a mythical backstory of of whatever okay, i
1: almost broke the internet all
0: right yeah that's right i mean that we've got a couple of those like mythical episodes um they're all forever lost in the ether hmm. but that's neither here nor there we are here to talk about games we're here to talk about the news that's the, that's the main topic for today's episode news what's been happening out in the games industry over the past couple few weeks. weeks yeah it's been it's been crazy there's there's a few things we'd like to cover but before we do we're going to be talking about the games we played and i'm going to go straight to tim first Ah. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name of this uh, game. And, and,
1: Kina? I and, just heard and, it. Sorry. Kina, Kina and, Kinoa. Maybe you eat her. I don't know. Uh,
0: and there is a reason. I'll, we, uh, let's talk about the game first, and then I'll talk about the reason why I find this game, ex- the name of this game extremely difficult to pronounce.
1: All right, I guess we can go into that. But yeah, this is a game I was actually super hyped for last year, and I think I'd asked for the review of, and I was told I could have it, and then either our code didn't arrive or it arrived late, or there was like a platform error or something. And then it kind of came and it got good, not great reviews and I was like, okay, I'm going to get distracted by this other thing I started playing instead and also it didn't come out in Japan until February. So I'd actually almost forgotten this existed um, entirely and then I was just wandering around a uh, video rental, which also is what video game stores are mostly in Japan a few days ago. And I was like, oh shit, Kina came out and it's there and it's not too expensive. Maybe I should buy it. Um, so if I guess, anybody who's not immediately drawn into these kind of almost Pixar-y kind of cute action-adventure-looking things when they're announced. Kino is a game by, I believe it was Ember Labs. I think they mostly actually came to fame through, like, a Majora's Mask fan film. I'm not sure if I'm getting that crossed or not. But it, its big thing is it is just absolutely, like, in design-wise at least, just completely gorgeous. It really has a very 3D cartoon look to it, and it holds it incredibly well. Um, and it's mostly, like, just a... Simple, straightforward, nicely done. Three D char- character action implies more like Bayonetta. Um, three D kind of just mostly linear adventure game where you're this young woman with these kind of spiritual powers, rescuing these adorable little black creatures called rots and cleansing areas of the forest.
0: Um, I get what you mean. I get what you mean when you say like character action adventure hmm. game it's like not character not not like bayonetta or devil may cry yeah. but it is a very sort of character heavy yeah, character think, yeah. characterization heavy
1: yeah it's like, it's very got- animation priority as well like you can tell this is an animation studio and the reason mm. i was a bit trying i was backpedaling on saying character action because character action has actually come to mean something kind of specific that's right it's very which specific, is the yeah. platinum devil may cry kind of remember all these combos hyper fast paced mm. um whereas this Actually, as every game does at the moment, it has a 30 frames per second and 60 frames per second mode. In this case, I actually went with 60. I, um, but it's mostly because it doesn't look that much worse and the camera moves a bit nicer. The combat in this, the reviews were not wrong, is incredibly straightforward. To the point where you, I mean, you have what you would expect. You have your three, you can do like three in succession light attacks and then you've got a heavy attack. But they don't actually even really flow into each other. So it's kind of like just whack with a basic attack a lot and then occasionally if you feel like building it up you can use a heavy one. I did recently-ish get to the point and I like the way this is done where you- so your main weapon's a staff with a gem on the end and it kind of lights up and you do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like kind of lighting up the other gemstone puzzles. In fact, that also kind of ties into how you clear the um, land of the corruption. And when you eventually get archery it's just like a spiritual arrow. It's just like this kind of glowing blue thing and your art and your you hold down the target button and your staff just kind of bends and it just becomes the bow and that look that's really cool and creative and clever but the main yeah, yeah it's it's worth saying something almost how do I put this it's almost a relief after playing um horizon forbidden west which I did actually enjoy a lot how much kind of more simple and like not trying to be everything to everyone this game is it's like it doesn't pretend to have an open world it, You know, paths kind of crisscross, so it's a tiny bit of what you might consider a Metroidic Metroid design influence, but it is still, like, it's you're going in this direction, and there are these things here, and you do them, and then you move on, and maybe you come back, but you always have a focus target. And also, like, Mm. just not being able to pick up everything. Like, the stuff you can interact with is there for a reason, and some people are going to hate that. It's kind of controlling in that regard, but this is clearly a directed and focused... Again, you can tell, like, this was an animation studio before a game studio.
0: Yeah. I'm getting a very strong... Well, looking... I, I'm I'm not entirely familiar with the game, but I I saw the trailer. I I, I do get Beyond Good and Evil vibes. Yeah, I think
1: this. that's what drew me to it. It's it, not as much as you would think. It's not as, um... Mm. The combat in Beyond Good and Evil is probably better, and the story in here is still, like, a little lacking focus or direction, but I, I say that I'm maybe about halfway through, so it's hard to say maybe this thing's going to kind of come and turn itself around.
0: But I think, like, like when we talk about this type of character action... You game, could see it as
1: Beyond Good and Evil, modern so Beyond yeah, Good and Evil light, perhaps. Yeah, it's it's in that same <laughs> family of of game, of, yeah, of it, that particular style. It definitely reminded me of Beyond Good and Evil when I um, first saw it, that was something... And I love, love Beyond Good and Evil... I don't think mm. this is gonna quite reach that level, but it I don't know, like I'm still really enjoying it. It does like it is a my girl my girlfriend's actually really enjoyed um, playing it with me. Um she finds the rot yeah. adorable. Um and she's getting better at <laughs> She can play this. Um Although she she doesn't like the fact that there's not a million things to pick up. But <laughs> she does find the rot adorable. Um and the rot do have a purpose, I wish I guess if there's one thing I wish was fleshed out mechanically, I can't. For the most part, I appreciate the simplicity of it. But so the rot, you can kind of move around a little bit like Pikmin. And for the most part, they're super well handled. Like when you're wandering around the world, they just kind of disappear and appear, and they'll like, be in little poses. If you're in somebody's house, they might appear in teacups and things and just kind of be laying around. Um, but you can also like have them occasionally for specific things, like alright, I need you guys to move this statue over here to press that button. Or they're also um, intricately involved in how you actually cleanse areas. But it, those things are just... Like, the rod in that regard, they're very cute, but they're just kind of an extra step between press button to make thing happen. Hmm. So it's, huh? it's just a case of instead of picking a thing up yourself, you order these guys to do it, and it's adorable, and it adds character, but it maybe doesn't add stuff mechanically, and it's a cool idea that I wish maybe there was more than one way to do thing in that specific regard. But I will I will say like I this game I can't think in Australian dollars. It was noted, um, I think what is announced like you know new games are sixty dollars going on seventy if you're talking Sony first party stuff. And I think this is forty dollars in the US. So I guess it'd be equivalent of like a fifty sixty dollar launch in a ga- game in Australia, and that actually does, it makes sense. That seems right. Like it's a triple A production paired back more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like it. If you see it for less than 50 bucks, I think it's totally worth it if it looks like something you would like. Just as long as you don't expect too much from the story and are aware that the combat is very simple.
0: Well, from a game that is simple in story and simple in combat to a game that is sprawling in story. Steven, you've been uh, spending a bit of time with 13 Sentinels. Uh, I have. Um, I'm only a few hours in. I've just
2: um, gotten code for the Switch version, which uh, I got a brand new in shrink copy of 13 Sentinels uh, sitting there on my shelf for PS4, um, but I never quite got around to it. Um, it I saw a lot of um, positive praise for it online around its release, so I grabbed it. But I'd also seen a few people say that not long after that, it was announced that it was going to come to the Switch. And I saw a few people express that they thought that was probably a great platform to play it on just because of the nature of the gameplay, the visuals, a few other things that, you know, it doesn't really need to be on, you know, a giant screen on a PlayStation 4. Like it would be very, I guess, what would it be? Digestible on a handheld console. So I've just sort of held out and waited for it to come out and, um it's got a like the luscious vanillaware art style which um is always wonderful to see. It's um the animation as well is sort of this very 2D esque with some 3D elements and I think it's it's not going to appeal to everybody, but it certainly appeals to me. Um so far I think I'm in the second or third chapter and it's got this really interesting system where I obviously the titular 13 Sentinels are 13 characters and it's it's rotating through them so you're getting bits and pieces of the story not necessarily told in chronological order and it feels like I'm going to be piecing together all of that as I go um, kind of like Nolan or Tarantino-esque in some ways and I'm really looking forward to um, digging into it a little bit more yeah it does think- have a battle system which is like not overly complex up to this point um but yeah just it just vibes like i'm just getting great vibes from it
0: that's good because i think a lot of people liked the non-linear narrative of the stories because it's sort of you've got 13 characters it cycles through but it's also sort of if i'm not wrong some time travel element or or like things happening at different times and they all sort of weave together at some point um that sort of stuff i
2: guess has been hinted at and Mm. there's definitely like even from the outset there's like some things where characters have maybe had their memories wiped or there's some other things going on so uh i'm really keen to dig into some of those mysteries as well um i've not heard a negative word said about this game anyway so
1: i'm super happy you just just reminded me it exists actually i remember Because it kind of almost came out of nowhere.
2: I think it was severely like... Well, I don't know if severely is the right word, but I don't think it was um, printed. Like, very many physical copies were printed. And, of course, it, to me, very much seems like the kind of game where if you saw a physical copy going for, like, $50, you'd probably grab it, but to load up the PlayStation Store and see it sitting there for $80 and looking at those screenshots, I'm sure a lot of people were like, Mm hmm, "Hmm, probably not. This
0: looks like something that will come to PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Well, I'm... I think the people who follow the work of Vanillaware knew this was coming. Cause I'm I've embarrassed eye- that I
1: didn't. Like, that's a
0: thing. Oh, really? Oh, re- no. I've been eyeing this for a long time. Like, everything about this appeals. The art style appeals. The idea there's of a non- art, There's mechs. So, of course, there is all over it. There is mechs. There's, like, nonlinear linear t- storytelling. But, and, uh, yeah. It, it's it got... The, the, the Vanillaware style is so... Oh, I, I love it. I love that particular style of animation, that particular aesthetic. Um, I did say, like, I, I constantly hope and muse to myself, um, why won't VanillaWare games all come out on PC? Because, Japan. because Japan's getting better at that, to be fair, but because I want this, I want um um Dragon's Crown. I want Odin Sphere. I want all of that stuff on PC. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been sort of paying attention to this game, and and it, it's for me, it's an eventuality. I will pick it up. But um, um, do you think you might be wanting to hold on to that copy on your shelf, Stephen, for the PS4? Oh, we can probably come to some sort of arrangement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I also like legitimately looked at a few like online shops, but they're all sold out. I think I think it's come back into
2: stock in a few places recently because I know I grabbed it in, in sort of in desperation as it was disappearing from everywhere. I think mm. mine came from Oz Game Shop for like sixty or seventy dollars because you couldn't get it in Australia anymore. But I think I think they did another print run maybe in the UK or somewhere. So I know there are, it's not as difficult as it was to grab copies at the moment. And yeah. I think once people realised another print run was happening, a lot of those sort of resellers realized they weren't going to get $150 for a copy anymore so they probably let them go for much less as well.
0: Yeah. because I, I went to the usual suspects you know because mm. I was like oh I really I, I think I want to I think I do want to get this but all the usual shops the places that I go to were all sold out and I, I still refused I to buy from the... Play, Play <laughs> Asia so. Yeah that's a
1: that's a good goal. Yes. Fair I, enough. Yeah I do want this on Switch though largely because I have memories of um, specifically Muramasa which was originally a Wii game, but my God, that was a good Vita game. So,
0: well, and we yeah, all know, and we all know that the Switch is the new Vita.
2: They did some great stuff on the Vita.
1: Oh yeah, the Vita was fantastic. My point is, like, I remember how good that was on the Vita, and I'm like, going, yeah.
0: I I want the yeah. option
1: of both. I want to be able to
0: play it on a big ass TV with nice colors, but I also want to be able to take it with me to work. Yeah, but like like I just mentioned, and I think got lost. Um, the Switch is the new Vita, so
2: fingers crossed vanilla start well that's the thing maybe if they see sales of 13 Sentinels going off on the switch they might decide it's worthwhile to put all of their old stuff on there
1: oh, vanilla where like collection would be fantastic all right we're, we're not talking about the game anymore we're just fantasizing about stuff we want to
0: buy <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah I, we, we might as well move on because we're talking about one meg game let's talk about let's keep get- carry on and talk about another i have been spending a little bit of time going back into brigador um this is a uh third person i don't know what's the perspective called i think it long long time ago in the in the 16-bit ages it was called the three-quarter perspective where you sort of play um isometric isometric okay isometric isometric that's the word like an
1: actual isometric game after there was this weird shit about people arguing that god of war ps2 should be called isometric because it was a fixed camera a while ago
0: yeah it's an isometric mech game um it's it came out ages ago like three four years ago 2018 maybe um and at that point i think i picked it up during early access it's an isometric mech game it's kind of cyberpunky. um It's kind of, uh, you know, bright neon lights. uh, It looks so much your jam. It is very much my jam. It's, it's got, it's also, if you remember, like, Battletech, the Battletech, um, isometric shooter that was out on, say, Genesis, um, in the mid 90s, it's, it's very much like that. You've got cities to stomp, buildings to blow up, um, all kinds of mechs. Uh, people running away in in in, in desperation and in, in fleeing. Um, but why I got back into it is I bought it during early access or Kickstarter, I can't remember what exactly. I played it, I enjoyed it. Um I did a player two plays video for it ages ago. Um it around actually it came out, out well. in twenty
1: sixteen to put that in perspective. It was almost six
0: years ago if we go back. <laughs> yeah. So I did a player two plays video then uh, around that time, but you know I, I, my skills were terrible compared to what they are now, and they're not good. But in comparison, um, and I had a choppy, choppy video, very low frame rate. It was just it was just bad all round. Um, so the developers actually worked on the game post release and spent another year, two years, just polishing it. Adding new features, adding new mechs, um, improving the u- user experience, improving um, the way the game runs—you know—a a lot of the stuff that you know we give credit to, say, the No Man's Sky, Hello Games, and the, the amount of work that they put into the game post-release. Hmm. These people, uh, this team, did similar amounts of work, just polishing it, adding more things, making it better. And so the Brigador up armored. Edition uh, was released I think about two or three years ago and it's been sort of sitting in my Steam library for the longest time. I've always wanted to go back to it because I did love the game I did really enjoy it and I was very unhappy with the video I had done you know, ages ago so the intention is to do another video um, but isometric, big mech, stomping on cities, lots of guns all kinds of like special abilities like throwing smoke grenades and tanks and all sorts of things it's it's just really really good um the aesthetic love the aesthetic love the controls it's just mech game
1: that's a pretty timeless like it knew its artistic limitations and like stuck with them really well
0: yeah yeah i think you know it's, it's just all very smart you know choices from the developer if you look at it now it's just like yeah it looks as good now as it did five or six years ago yeah. that's right well, um, you know, Unfortunate timing they, they, they for it now,
1: pay. though, because it's on sale on Steam at the moment for the next five hours, and I don't think I'm going to get the podcast up. <laughs> <laughs> in time for that to be useful. But I imagine yeah, it'll roll but, around on sale again in the summer. Winter for Australia.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think on that note, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about the news. God, it's been so long since we talked about news. For today's topic, we're going to be talking about news, things that's been happening in the games industry over the past several weeks, a month, I don't know, depends on when you're listening to this, but we've got, we've each picked a piece of news that we want to talk about, and we'll go first to Steven. You want to talk about um, something that you heart. Oh, I mean,
2: heart is such a strong oh, word. Wow. Um, once, once upon a time, maybe, but I feel like... Over time, that heart has turned to hate. Um, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's oh, wow. Kingdom Hearts four, uh, and uh, I don't know why they're making more of this. I mean, I know why it makes money. Um, that's usually the only reason Square Enix make anything. Um, but realistically, um, sorry, you could say that about any game company making any Yeah, it's weird, right? Businesses <laughs> trying to make money. money. Uh, it's <laughs> so odd art commerce it all blends together um to release nonsensical video games that like kingdom hearts yeah it's like (laughs) how is it possible that the more things you release the less sense it makes like wouldn't it be able to make more sense you just explain things well and but i my whole theory is that kingdom hearts isn't deep it's just fucking stupid um and that's why
1: it is the way it is. It's literally um, a vacuum for commercial properties to just have cameos in. Well, the weird thing High is- By like, conception.
2: The, the weird thing is they really scaled back all of the Square Enix stuff in there. Like, uh, the first game had, like, a pretty decent chunk of Square Enix properties in there. And I was hoping mm. that as the series went on, they would meld that more and more. So, we'd get all this Square Enix fan service and then the Disney stuff. And all that ended up happening is there's just Disney shit. And not even good Disney shit. Like, what the fuck is Pirates of the Caribbean in there? Like, that wasn't there it, at one point. Anyway, yeah, and fucking Tron. Like, oh, yeah, that Disney classic, Tron. Everyone loves Tron. The kids, they love Tron. Um, I don't know. The whole series, I felt, went off the rails, and every, like, handheld entry is an abomination. Maybe apart from Dream Drop Distance, but outside of that, it's just... A mess. Anyway, they've released a trailer for Kingdom Hearts Four, which we know Square Enix will be seeing in maybe twenty twenty five, probably twenty twenty six. They'll push it back. They always do. Mm. Um, it's going for a more realistic art style this time. I mean, as realistic as you can get when you throw um, Mickey Mouse and know, things, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy mm. in there as well. Um, and I'm sure the fans are going to go nuts cooking up all these weird theories about what's happening in the story for the next couple of years. And then, because it's one of their Eastern Studios, it will definitely meet sales expectations.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've, wow. we, we, went into the, we went into this with Western Studios always failing no matter how many times, how many units they sold. I wow. believe that's episode. Um yeah, my my just... bugbear about this is, I mean, if Square's printing money, like, really, guys, can can we get the next Final Fantasy VII chapter out? That is also going to print money and is an unfinished thing. See, it's, it's in the works. too. I it's, like starting know, projects and not very good at tying them up.
0: See, I'm not. I've never been a fan of Kingdom Hearts, only because I never got into it. Right, um, but I did listen to multiple episodes of the Vice Gaming podcast, um, where they, where the, um, hosts, they spent, mo- mo- like I said, multiple ex- episodes breaking down the story. And I think listening from a extremely insider perspective about some, and, and you know, a very, where, very clever people are trying to like, try to understand what's actually going on. um, it sounds like it had more depth than I gave it uh, credit for. And there is more symbolism happening than I had given it credit for. Um, I don't know if that's an accurate um, opinion or perspective. It's just um, when I hear and listen to people who really, really love the franchise talk about it, and break it down. It's like, oh, okay, maybe there is something more than meets the eye than just like Donald Duck and Woody the Pooh with a with swinging uh, swinging about and some kid with a keyblade, which makes zero sense. Um, that somebody could use a key as a weapon, like a big fat gigantic like. I don't, I don't want someone
2: one. hitting me in the head with a guitar-sized key. That's not going to feel good.
0: <laughs> no. But i guess not but how is that different from just like a stick
2: because he's gonna unlock your heart oh, or something. Right. Okay. It's oh, okay. kingdom hearts you know it's, King- it's-, it's-, key- it's
1: literally called a keyblade
2: yeah i know but- um ag- again i mean it's it's like anything if you know you, you can get super english teachery and dig for symbolism and anything it doesn't mean it's really there um It's fine. Kingdom Hearts is fine. I really enjoyed the first game. I tolerated the second game. I never bothered with the third game. Um, The, what was it called? There was a, I think it was a Game Boy Advance, like, sort of card game that was actually quite fun that they'd um, released in between one and two. But the series sort of progressively went downhill for me because it wasn't giving me what I wanted. I liked the melding of the Final Fantasy franchises and the Disney franchises sort of coming together and the focus sort of shifted away from that i i think some tweaks to the battle system they made were for the better and some eventually were for the worse um and i think by the third game a lot of the combat sort of felt very on rails you get these people who will tell you that you need to play on the max on the proud difficulty and that's the you know true kingdom hearts i mean yeah, you know, yeah. if you're about that life but just go play bayonetta or devil may cry or you know a good action game um so it's you know it is what it is and I I've I guess I've sort of probably drifted away from it myself so I'm sorry Kingdom Hearts fans for ragging on you I used to be one of you um I grew out of it I guess you didn't
1: Oh wow that was <laughs> like just you st- it started with an apology um, and then like dug a high heel into somebody's ice I know
2: I know I'm just digging a hole here just <sighs> insert the uh the Sarah Chalk Elliot yeah. I just say with my main
1: issue it's is like right square there. can you please just focus on getting your projects done as opposed to starting them
2: yeah, let's scope it correctly, let's try to get this done by 2024, that'd be really Final nice. Final Fantasy 7 um,
1: Part 1 was actually two years ago now, maybe to the day, just about, like we should be studying, if they had that thing properly planned out, we should be hearing about the next chapter or have heard about it by now. <laughs>
2: I think my my only issue and I'm cool with these extended dev cycles cuz look at the money they spend on making these things of course it mm. takes forever and you know a lot of design by committee and things like that to make those budgets back anyway but I'm really don't want us to get into this cycle of you get one game a generation in a series I don't think that's very fun I like I don't think I like it's good them for to their do
1: financials either to be honest I think it's no, it's, it's a management I it's... issue I think it's more that they just keep on throwing money at us that they need to like the thing I keep in coming back to Final Fantasy um, Remake is, like, getting the first one out the door was a huge accomplishment, but surely they had the blueprint then, and, like, it should start... They should... If they're organized... I it, thought that game
2: made it very clear you were not getting the rest of Final Fantasy VII, so they didn't have to bother making an open world, which I'm sure they all breathed a sigh of relief <laughs> about anyway. I mean, the ending... That, that game was, was where I better, got from yes, that. But. Yeah, it, it did, and I feel like that was part of it. Like, I'm sure they stepped back and like we can't make this open world. Can let's just, we'll do the golden saucer and we can probably get away with that and figure it out. So, I mean, sure. Let's have kingdom hearts Four and whatever weird ass mobile thing. They also announced for it that I'm sure not many people outside of Japan can or do play. Um, cause I know a lot of those things have been very exclusive to particular phone providers, phone brands and countries. Um, I'll keep an eye out. If it if I decide I want to jump on that bandwagon, look by the time this thing's out, my kid will probably be of an age to play Kingdom Hearts. So maybe I'll play Kingdom Hearts go. Four, and we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. That piece of news had had more legs on it than I thought it would have. <laughs> 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 it's just a very big bee
1: rattling around inside Steve. There, I yeah, think. it's
0: just like like um, are you are you an Asian are you killer okay? hornet, if you will? Are you are you okay, Steven? Did you did you let it all out? Did you? <laughs> i I've, 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 it's, it's a
2: little it's a little well that bubbles inside me just this disdain for kingdom hearts and I just have to let the pressure valve out every now memory. and then Well, I don't ever, ever, it comes from a place of love because like I, I, I genuinely loved the first and second game on PlayStation 2 the second to a lesser degree um but very much adored that first game and aside from the battle system being kind of sucky compared to the later games, I still think the first game is probably one of my favourites in the entire series. Mm.
1: I swear this segment on Kingdom Hearts is about as focused as Kingdom Hearts games themselves. We're talking Maybe. about Kingdom Hearts too much. Right. We haven't but-
2: used enough proper nouns for this to be a real Kingdom Hearts thing anyway.
0: <laughs> well they're, they're coming and speaking of things which are going to come uh, PlayStation Plus is ma- are mate is making changes is making changes are making changes it's will plural? be making changes is, will, will
1: be. be will be is actually yes has announced that we will be making changes the
0: plus okay. it is a change in indeed plus and like... it's 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 complicated it yeah, it feels like this was
1: a long time coming. Feels overdue, think, if anything. Yeah, um, and it's been interesting watching people react to this. Um, I think these changes, if were effectively announced when our last episode went live, meaning we had no chance of talking about them. So this could have been a topic unto itself if it were more recent. But yeah, as I think everybody's been expecting for the last like two years now, like Sony's finally gone and kind of smashed PlayStation now if you remember that, and PlayStation Plus together and, like, broken it into tiers. So effectively, what, mm-hmm. what you're looking at going forward is PlayStation Plus Essential, which is just what PS Plus is now. So if you're subscribed to PS Plus, that's probably what you're going to roll over into. Mm-hmm. Then you got the middle tier, which is Extra, which I think is the probably the most interesting, which is, you know, PlayStation Plus and in a catalogue of 400 asterisks, which probably says things are going to come and go. Um, PS4 and PS5 games. Although, they have been very clear, not day of releases. At least for um, PlayStation Studio stuff. And then PlayStation Plus Premium, which bumps the price up a little bit again. And then adds up to... Which is very careful wording, because it means they can have fewer... It could technically have three, three hundred and forty additional games, um, which includes PS3 games at last, but they're via streaming. Yeah.
2: Sorry, so not that, in Australia then. Cool.
1: Yeah. cool, cool so cool, cool, that's the thing that cool, bites cool. is like streaming as an. So way, way, way back, like the start of the PS4 Xbox One generation, when Microsoft was really just falling over itself and could not make a single move right, and Sony had PS now going. And it seemed kind of ludicrous. I tried streaming services like, you know what? Sure, they're figuring it out. They don't have any competition. They may as well get um, idiot super fans to pay them to pretty much beta test their service. But I never like really grew into anything. And we have to get be getting to a point where you could actually properly emulate a PlayStation 3. Like surely we have to be hitting that power point. I don't
2: think so I think the problems that they're having is just the architecture yeah, that it was system a, was so not like anything s- else they
1: did shoot themselves in the foot with that system design in general like in terms of legacy it's a weird odd child but yeah because like the streaming is like nice as a bonus like if you're away from home and you can do it on your phone but man you want to be able to download, download those things and play them reliably I think even if it means like a more limited catalog if you could actually just like i want to play the darkness again man I don't have an nice Xbox. Yeah. For,
2: for me, it's what? like, what PS3 games do I really want to go back to? Metal Gear Solid Four.
1: I, the thing is, I would love to play Metal Gear Solid Four again. Actually, that's, prob- See, that's,
0: the thing, that's probably it. The thing for me is, I, I, I've said this before. I've said it multiple times. Old games old, no, um, very little. Uh, utility for me sure maybe there's, a, there's one or two things that I enjoyed in its heyday and would like to revisit, revisit but slapping however many number of PS3 or PS4 games um, is not a selling point for me
1: um, PS4 games would still be a selling point um, I, I, I do say make that complaint about um, PS3 I think PS2 and PlayStation one and for some reason PSP as well sadly not Vita are um, probably going to be downloadable yeah. As well. And well, what, it's going to be... It, I, I I, could... I find it interesting that this is the stuff of saved for the, like, premium tier. Because hmm. I think they know that only certain people care about it. And this is the thing they can hold a ransom to a very specific group of, like, just over-the-top fans who will pay and have access to this stuff.
0: So, Sorry, I, I guess... Uh,
2: I don't think that's as much of a value add. I, everything I've ever seen from Microsoft talking about this stuff is that... And I would be happy for someone to correct me and send me something that proves otherwise, because whatever, um, I can change my mind. But my understanding is that this is very much a loud minority who clamor for these things, but the data on the back end shows that fuck all people actually use it. Mm. Like, it's not of huge value it's a great selling point but in terms of like actual revenue generation or long-term engagement it's just not there like people Mm -hmm. say they want to be able to play these old ass games and i'm sure it's like you fired it up and played it for 15 minutes and then you remembered oh yeah games are better now in some ways so i'm probably not gonna finish
0: this 20 year old game
2: now
1: I, th- I think the catch there is well I like the idea that Microsoft's doing where like you buy an Xbox and you literally have Xbox. I actually think that's like yeah. super cool. Um and that's partly why it's like like let people buy the games and own them. That's what they want but, but even Xbox
2: have wound up all of those programs they like have. they're not doing the backwards compatibility on Xbox or 360 or and you know why they're not doing it? Cuz it's not worth it. It was the worth money it for the PR at the time there. like the PR yeah, was. Worth and yeah.
1: But and I think for this just, tier so, the appeal I think is
0: interesting. What I think is interesting here... Well, not interesting, but a few things. One, um, PlayStation Plus is effectively now three different products. Maybe four if you count the weird Australia version. Because (laughs) Australia gets PlayStation Plus Deluxe, which is same as premium, but without the streaming.
2: Yeah, Um, every country with rubbish internet is going to get that version.
0: Yeah, so you've effectively got what was once... So minus appears three product? games basically. Yeah. yeah. Like you now have four different products that you kind of have to be like okay, am I plus or plus extra or plus premium or whatever it is, right? Plus deluxe, which near the near the top end of things just like just makes no difference between what extra and premium and deluxe mean. Like those words mean nothing. So yeah, I don't see how they didn't use,
1: like, the trophy essential and, like, go with, like, bronze, gold, and platinum would have been.
0: Well, because bronze connotes connotes third place. Yeah, it makes you yeah. feel like a,
2: a poor person.
0: Yeah. So, um, but, but, but the thing is, one of the things I always thought that Microsoft did very cleverly, um, not just about, you know, backwards compatibility, but weren't they talking about how if you put in your old game into a Series X, the X just sort of upcycles it a little bit. Yeah, it just downloads the
2: file and basically uses the disc as a key to run it. Yeah,
1: mm. if you're running a Series it, X, like a, a lot of those games are like greatly improved.
0: Yeah, so mm. the, the the machine does the hard work they don't have to go in and, and recode and Wait, somebody no. did
1: some emulation black magic. Oh no,
0: abso- um, ab- absolutely. No,
1: if it's if it's
2: compatible, it literally downloads the file off, you know, Xbox Live and that's what it's running on your system and it's mm. just using the disk as an access code the same way that upgrades on the PS5 work you. PS4 upgrade to PS5 it downloads the PS5 version and just uses your PS4 disc as the key to run it mm, mm. Um, I guess one other thing we didn't touch on, I think this is a huge killer for a lot of games in terms of backwards compatibility and why it's sort of been wound up by a lot of these companies is licensing is an absolute nightmare oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. trying to sort out the licensing for some of these games and it's similar to what TV series have faced um, around the turn of the century whereby streaming was not even a twinkle in people's eyes so no one licensed songs in perpetuity for various platforms and then having to go back and re-dub the music in a lot of these series is just not seen as particularly viable outside
1: of like ruining the nostalgia for people people lost their shit over evangelion not having the right closing song in the western (laughs)
2: Um, And I can think of lots of TV shows where it's like the Wonder Years didn't get released on DVD for a very long time because all of its songs were like classics from the 60s and the 70s, like trying to get the rights to the Beatles. And obviously, at that point in time, they would write the storylines around those particular pieces of music. So it didn't really work without them. Like you can't just sub out something that's a period piece and change it to some random song that's royalty free. So, I think that's why, similar to why the Forza Horizon games keep disappearing off um, yeah, the, car the store licensing. every couple of years. The car licensing and the music licensing.
0: Yeah.
1: It sucks, but I, I want to kind of like focus like back around, around in on what this actually is. I think for most people, this is going to be two options. I do think that premium is just people who, unless you are like, again, crazy, like my life is PlayStation, that is my identity, most people are not going to even pay attention to the highest tier. Um,. The thing is, it's weird that we keep we kind of forget that um Xbox Game Pass is just a phenomenal value. And I look at this and I think this pricing is just completely fair and everything about this actually looks very good. It's just what Microsoft is doing is just crazy good. Yeah, I
2: expect them to follow the Netflix model of just Steady increases every so often until it gets to that well, tipping point where people realize, "Oh my god, I'm not paying that much a month for this thing anymore."
1: Wonder where the shots fired comes in because there's no yearly subscription for Game Pass, which has its benefits. So I mean, I know Ken like jumps on and off when the stuff he wants to play. Hmm. Um, but I believe the highest tier, here, like if you pay monthly, it's quite expensive. But like a one year subscription upfront is no more expensive than a regular Game Pass subscription. Which means if Microsoft actually does up the price on Game Pass, you can technically come out and say that they are cheaper.
2: I think, again, it's going to be... People just need to deem what value they're going to get out of the service. Like,
1: I don't think have, any of these are bad. actually bad value. I think it's a little bit confusing. I think the stuff that a lot of people don't need in that highest tier... There's a lot no. of,
0: so there's a lot of things that—that's the thing, right? It's—it's it's confusing, and there's a bunch of stuff that people don't need. I think if you just ignore yeah. the third tier,
1: like I really think that's just a very specific group of people. And my yeah. advice to most people would be: get essential because, all right, you know, what? if you want to play games, get essential. You get some other stuff with it. Extras probably what probably what if I am going to upgrade, I would do. Yeah. Premium it, is if you want I'm- a nostalgia kick, basically.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, like something like this will always draw comparison with Game Pass. It will always draw comparison with Game Pass, right? And where is my in terms of me as an individual, my particular gaming tastes? Where the Game Pass really shows its value is that I can play on both a console and a PC. Um, Hmm. that's where the the real value comes in because I can play. PC games I on a PC? I wonder if Sony's
1: eventually going to get pressured to the point where... Because they are slowly working on PC titles, but uh, so much of Sony's business seems to be I, these big, marquee, super blockbuster things. And I understand, like, as long as they can not give those away early on, I fully understand. Like, they're a business. I am fully under. No, I think the only reason Microsoft is doing it is because they needed to get that foot back in the door.
0: Hmm. Um, and that's become their thing now. Yeah, like we again we've talked about this like many times like Microsoft is Microsoft Microsoft's
2: goal is to, to be, build an ecosystem.
0: Yeah, they want to be on they want to be on everything that you're on.
2: Hmm.
0: They don't want you to buy an Xbox
2: anymore. They want you to pay to use those services to play on whatever you have. I yep. think
0: they
1: would still like you to buy an Xbox it's, it's Oh it's no, a little more secondary. I
0: mean, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but see, it's it's not it's no longer just the one thing you've got. Like you you talk about you know, we we talk about like people who embrace it as an identity. Like this is what the Xbox wants to because you've got your Xbox thing on your phone that you're streaming to. Hmm. You've got your Xbox thing on your PC. You've got Xbox Series. Uh, you've got Xbox on your on your console. Oh, I you've think a big Xbox part of um, iPad. why Sony bought iPad Bungie Wars, was actually
1: to get. It's fingers into like games as services and trying to expand
0: the PlayStation brand. Uh, I think yeah, that's what games as more yeah. than anything else. Like, but I, I mean, I don't want to use, I don't want to, I don't want to coin this term, but it's not, it's more than just games as a service. It's a brand as a service, right? Yeah. The whole, th- uh, the whole brand is your service.
1: So yeah, um, this is Sony trying to figure out. I think the one thing I do want to know, I'm pleased to f- find out, like this plus um the extra tier, which I am looking mm. at thinking I may go up to this because you know what. I want to play Miles Morales. I want to play Returnal. Those are going to be in it. So, Mm. like, I'm thinking, like, I will accept, I think, maybe, like, a year, year and a half between release of, like, a big first-party game before it appearing on this. Like, I wonder where that that sweet spot is going to fall between people not being pissed off that they just bought the game at full price.
2: I think a lot of that is going to... I think a lot of that is going to come down to the individual publishers and when in the year it releases and how that ties into, you know, your general sales cycles of games. Yeah. Like, what point of the year do they oh, usually God. go on sale? I mean, yeah. I-
1: Elden Ring was going to be lined up for Game Pass at some point, I guarantee that has been pushed back a long way.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe some of those major, major, major marquee games, but, you know, a lot of big game titles still make their way day one on the Game Pass, and mm. they're a bit- all-, all the better for it.
1: Yeah, but, like, like, Sony has very explicitly said do not expect yes. PlayStation Studio oh, games no, to appear day-in-day. Day. So, I mean, so they're, where, they're still... like,
0: how long
1: is the... Ex- like, I think that's going to move. They're going to have to experiment a little bit. Like, where is mm. long enough that people are not pissed off that they bought the game, but not so Correct. long that it doesn't feel like a value
0: anymore? No, I know, I... But, but the way I th- see it, like, if it, what what Microsoft has sort of experimented with is that there are... You know, if you balance the goodwill of the people who will be angry, and you balance, the good, uh, you balance it against the goodwill of the people who are chuffed as and and happy as shit, like Microsoft. I mean, Flight Simulator came out day one, and that made everybody happy. Nobody was grumbling <laughs> that nope. that oh, I no, like that was fantastic, and and um bunch of other games it's, it's slipping my mind now but it's 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 Orza literally Horizon every 5, Halo. Wasn't there like
1: a, <laughs> I might be wrong wasn't there like a super special they gave you like early access but you had
2: to actually buy the game yeah they've that's another thing well I mean Ubisoft has been doing that way, recently right? yeah. as well like you buy the digital deluxe version they you literally, literally get just the game again up three days early yeah yeah.
0: yeah yeah absolutely it's 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 more than I mean it's absolutely sure you've got your fanboys and you've got your audiences but it's also about normalizing that behavior but like mm-hmm. at some point, if you keep doing it, people be like, "Oh yeah, all right, I can either buy buy this one specific game, or I subscribe to your service and get that same and game."
1: And find that maybe there are a million people who are happy to give you sixty bucks to play the game a week earlier.
0: Hmm, maybe.
1: Um. I yeah. I guess before we segue, the bigger this is maybe going to become another underlying concern here is now what like this increasing move away from ownership, especially like. The last Halo Mm. wasn't actually on the disc and what happened to Grand Turismo 7 where the game was just basically unplayable.
2: Mm. Well, that's also a product of the issues around shipping and production at the moment and the fact that they have to go so early to get those discs sorted and distributed around the world that, of course, I'm not surprised that what we're getting on the disc is nowhere near what Final Code is at the moment.
1: But yep. it's not okay. It's a case of you need to be online. It's not a case of you need to download yeah. a patch. It's a case of oh, no, this disc is, is. We are selling you a product key in the circular shiny thing. Abs-
2: absolutely. But uh, Microsoft made it clear years ago that they want a completely locked down digital ecosystem, whereby you can't buy physical games and resell them because it's not in their best interest, and the publishers don't want it either. But there was so much pushback on that that they, you know, they should be pushback back. Back on that. <laughs> I, I, and there will be, but I, I think it's one of those things that's going to creep in very slowly, and that's what this dependence on been happening, yeah. streaming networks and other things are, and as you know, I'm sure it's going to come to a head when various, you know, TV shows and things like that go out of print, and you can't buy the physical media anymore, and then I'm sure we'll just get a big resurgence in piracy and VPNs. Um, I'm I, I will be we're going very to see interested. a vinyl
1: esque. Resurgence in like 4K Blu-ray discs ten years time. Because I you put a Blu-ray on I mean, a few days ago and I was like, wow, this sounds better than Netflix. I didn't even notice that before. Well,
2: it's because this like that's the thing. Like 4K on streaming is not 4K. It's heavily compressed yeah. and it's it it presents as 4K resolution, but it's nowhere near the level of an uncompressed 4K disc. Well, I was playing but regular Blu-ray don't. as well, so it's also yeah, like- most most people don't have a good good enough setup. Like that's the thing. These companies know that you're watching it on a iphone or an ipad with crap headphones in for the majority of people so that's not as important to them
1: all right we are i and it's my fault i've dragged this way off topic ken what are you talking about oh
2: Oh. i did want i did wanted to say one more thing i i'll be really interested with um obviously PlayStation not wanting to do the day and date stuff but they still want to look like good guy Sony so I wouldn't be surprised if they did some moves like oh you'll get the new Last of Us remastered day and date on our new subscription platform I think they need they're going to they're going to want to do one game to kick that off to get people in the door like oh you'll get this great new release on day and date we're not going to do it for all of them but we're going to do it for this one and yep. I'm sure most people once they sign up for those things unlike very thrifty Ken they're too lazy to turn them off
1: Oh, I buy these things yearly anyway. I
0: (laughs) well yeah. I wait for
1: the I wait for the half price sale and then buy like two years worth in one block.
0: Yeah. Well, you know. Sign up for things like eBay plus or whatever and then use it and then immediately discontinue the service so I don't get charged recurring fees.
2: (laughs) That's the way to do it, but again, not everyone operates that way. So (laughs) I won't be I won't be surprised if a few um, not necessarily the top-tier Sony exclusive, but I reckon they'll throw a few things out to get people in the door, and oh, then yeah. they'll sort of see how that pans out.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, the, the, the legions of World of Warcraft subscribers who just leave their subscriptions running for years and years on end without actually playing a game, it's, it's bodes well for that particular uh, approach. Yeah. Um, Let's round off today's topic with the last bit of news. Uh, This is hopefully a short one, but then again, we said that about our two previous pieces of news. It's going to be short, but we then talk for a long, long time. E3 2022 has been cancelled 100% for this year. There is no online version. There's no digital. There's no nothing. 2022 has been cancelled. Um... I
1: love that they say they're going to be back again. That's my favorite bit. Like this is—they're holding on
0: to the idea. They could come back again. I, I mean, mean <sighs> but oh, this so is. Do they need pro- to? I mean, yeah, I mean that's a different. That's a different question altogether. But like, E3 at this point is a thirty-year-old show.
2: And I think so So many other things have sprung up to take its place that it's now, you know, the, that market has gotten so crowded. And E3 mm. began as a trade show and then transitioned to a consumer show. Mm. And those are two very diametrically opposed things. Mm. And mm. I have read many reports of, you know, the trade people being upset at the consumer aspect of that because they're there to do business. And suddenly it's, you know, you're trying to appease you know, Joe Schmo off the street who paid his h- couple of hundred dollars to whinge about standing in three hours line for a demo. Yep. Um, and then you've got things like, you know, GDC and PAX and all of these other things that, you know, have very much the distinction between those two. And I think E3 occupies this weird space where it used to be one and then it tried to be the other. And now it's just, what is the purpose of it?
1: I Yeah, yeah I just see, like, I want it to survive, but not as E3. I just want there to be a season. I want, like, there to be this month where, like, just shit-tons of gaming news drops. And it's like, kind of stuff to talk, like, kind of stuff to get excited about and then realize it was dumb to be excited about it a week later and everybody's, like, buzzing around on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I actually mean, I enjoy that aspect of it. It on. doesn't need to be called E3. It just needs to be all these publishers are just dropping news yeah. bombs and trying to outdo each other. Yeah. I, I, I mean, have to
2: imagine there's so many journals out there... Or you know, as- aspiring journo's who are now just upset that they never got their all expenses paid E three trip. Yeah,
1: that oh, me. I have, I've. I mean, having covered Tokyo Game Show before, it's it's just fucking exhausting, man. Yeah, I know. But I'm, people
2: don't know that till they've done it, Tim.
0: Yeah, I think, like, as as a sort of tent pole of the industry, it is sad. I, I am a little bit sad that this is not happening. Because E three has been synonymous with the big showcase. The big yearly yeah. showcase. I mean those it's, press it's conferences the, were fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the circus, right? It's the big shop, mm. it's it's the big show. Um and it's been the big show for the last, like I said, thirty years or so, like from the nineties. Um E three yeah. has died and come back multiple times. Um, God, it's live support this probably, now.
1: Like, I really think they're
0: in denial. This is this is a third or fourth time. This is either the third or fourth time it's stopped or, you know, re- had to revamp or had to go look at themselves and what they want to do. Um, Those conferences sort of exist almost entirely as its own entity. You know, the Xbox, Microsoft... Um, the Microsoft, PlayStation, Ubisoft, all the big publisher conferences exist almost as its own thing above and beyond um, E3. Uh There's a lot, I mean, it's, it's they've, they've had a very tight relationship over the last few years, but they can easily spin off and be their own thing. Well,
1: um, I mean, they have been, I think that's part of it. I think... And- Weirdly, and Nintendo also, was the innovator here. They just started doing their own thing, and it was frankly they started doing their own thing. Out. And also,
0: like all, all those conferences, like over the last three or four years, just happened before E3 actually starts.
1: Yeah, which is actually what I think about when I think about E3 because, i unless you're yeah, actually covering like, the games, you it's like I want to sit there and watch these conferences and see everything get yeah, get announced and talk shit with people on Twitter, and then I'll look at the yeah. games I'm interested a couple of days later.
0: Yeah, and again, E3, sure, they've got. Quite- you know, over the last few years, again, they've transitioned to a consumer show. They've got paid tickets. Um, you've got, you know, large numbers of people coming in, lining up for very, very thin slices of whatever they want to see. Um, again, E3, as, as we've all acknowledged, started off as a trade show. It's a business show. It's not even a developer show. It's not a developer's show.
1: No, it's there's probably a- people with cowboy hats and cigars going, how many are these going to sell?
0: Yeah, it's a trade show. It's a business show. It's for people working in an industry, but on the business end of the industry. It's not for the developers. It's not for the artists. It's not for the pub. It's, it's, it's for the publishers and the distributors, right? That's, that's what E3 is for. Once um, upon a time, yeah. Yeah. So maybe if it comes back, they might dial all the way back and, and just, just be quiet now. I mean, it, the, the sort of growth and the noise that the, the noise and the spectacle of E3 really grew sort of in the I guess the early 2000s, early 2010s when this was the main way to get all the big news in a shot, right? This was, this was the thing um, where you have
1: all the news coming together. I don't know oh. how much things influence each other, but it, it felt like kind of almost calendar specific where, okay, this is a dry season for game releases as well. Yeah. So this yeah. is what, yeah. this is the type of hits you get. We're going to, like, whet your appetite for things getting good again. Yeah. And then when there's nothing to really be released, you kind of get excited about learning about the stuff that's going to come out, yeah. repeat yeah. on a loop, like- and then Nintendo releases a video that is nothing but announcing new characters for a Smash game.
0: Yeah. So, like, as a show, as a spectacle, you know, it's it's sort of grown, but... The spectacle was never was never the original intent, so maybe it might come back. It might come back in a much more quieter fashion. They did try to do that. Oh, like um, around two thousand
1: five or six or something. Yeah, two
0: thousand five or six. That's right. When they tried to do that, they tried to go back to the trade focus. That lasted all of a year, <laughs> uh, because at the same time, the the people who did people go for the trade. The they wanted some of the spectacle because it's, you know, it, it adds that prestige. It adds the, like, oh, we're, we're a big deal. Um, so it's really, really hard, I think, at this point to imagine, well, what next year will be without E3. But it's also, in my mind, really hard to imagine what E3, if it did come back, would look like. Is it going to be more of the same or are they going to dial it all the way back? I'm really curious to see, like,
1: it. do we get, like, a big block of news this yeah. summer slash winter again. This is, I keep forgetting yeah. this is an Australian show.
0: Yeah, right. Correct. It's only going
1: to have like, a really big state of play. Is Nintendo going to go all in on a treehouse something?
0: Hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, these are all questions. I'm not sure. but uh,
2: I think like, every company is going to try to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and for some of them, it's, you know, that time of year will still suit, and for others, it might not. Like... There's still console shortages. People still can't get their hands on these things. And I'm sure the fact that they have still nowhere near the sales of the previous gen, especially for PlayStation, is still having some repercussions on them.
1: It must be weird for both Sony and Microsoft. I mean, I'm sure they're happy that they're literally selling this as they get out of the door, but they're also probably not happy that we could have a few more million of these out there.
2: I, I, I thought it was pretty obvious With the way that they've kept, you know, a lot of their AAA titles um, on the PlayStation 4, because you look at those, you know, the user base numbers, and why wouldn't you? Like, there's, what, one-tenth of the amount of PlayStation 5s out there compared to PlayStation 4s?
1: Well, when they don't need any help selling the PS5, yeah.
2: No. Um. So, it it's going to be sad it, and I, it'll be the kind of thing like PAX has, Paxos has been for the past few years where you sort of don't think about it and then you'll get to June and you'll be like, oh, this was a thing that used to happen and it just feels kind of quiet and mm. maybe some companies will take advantage of that and try to spruik a few things and others might have different goals now i guess that's another thing like a lot of companies would have felt that pressure to have things yes. ready to go then and you hear all of these stories of developers like absolutely shitting their pants that the build is not going to work because it shouldn't be on stage but they have no choice because they have to show it at e3 and you know things like it's running on this spec out pc and they're like yes it's coming to xbox 360 and you know all of these crazy stories about how high pressure that environment was for anyone showing stuff there and i guess with that pressure off it's also the question do they need to show those things i
1: think it will probably spread out it'll take a couple of years for it to sink in i think management is going to think this is a season where we have to do it out of habit but with without i like again I, i just from a pure consumer's end i like the idea of like this news season but without E3 there, like, there's nothing to, like, draw everybody's eyes. The reason you have to show up at E3 is because everybody's showing up at E3. But when there's no tournament anymore, you don't need to show off.
2: No. Mm. It's, no it's not like, oh, who won E3? It's like, mm, well, I guess that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah.
0: All right. I think on that note, we're just going to call an end to this episode. Um, thank you very much. To Stephen and Tim for joining me on this particular episode on which episode? Num- which number? 81. Was again. Number 81. Um, but before we sign off, uh, is there anything either of you like to promote, to spruce, to sell? Um, as well as where can people find you on the internet?
2: Um, obviously, player2.net.au or Gorath44000 on uh the twitter or no shelf underscore control on twitter if you want to see some intermittent board game stuff that i put up very occasionally uh i'm hoping to have a 13th sentinels review out in the not too distant future as well as finally maybe wrap up an elden ring review because technically i've only put out a first impressions um that is a long game so we'll see how long that takes as well
1: just throw it out there that i don't think the publisher cares if you review that. Or not anymore. They are selling that thing just fine. On oh, no doubt. But um, yeah, and Jim, I don't have anything to sell. And maybe next to my shave, if anybody wants to buy my beard shavings for some weird reason, that would make me rich and weird. Um, no, I'm at pretend beard on Twitter. It'd make you but...
2: rich and the buyer weird.
1: I would still feel a little bit weird putting beer shavings in and on. <laughs> I make the buyer very weird. But I would also be weird for the, well, I already guess I am because I literally just thought of it for some reason. But yeah, pretend beard on Twitter. That's why the beard always keeps them coming up.
0: What about okay. you, Ken? Um, I don't have anything that's currently on the website at the moment. Uh, hoping to work on a couple of player two plays for the YouTube channel. And you can find me at Pixel Hunt on the Twitters. That's the main place I I, I exist in terms of social media. Uh, Twitter, uh, most other places are for my own stuff, so Twitter's my only sort of board, um, video gamey type social media out there. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining me on this episode of um, the Player Two Pixelcast. And we will And see if anybody you. wants to
1: buy my beard shavings, please contact me on my
0: Twitter account, which I have previously uh, mentioned. Is it? Is it like the whole, like... I don't, I
1: mean, you can... You, like, you know that. what? Send me a request if you want, like, half the face. You pay me, like, a hundred bucks for, like, half the beard I'll leave-